You can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped or isn't in the right mental state to be helped. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, where James Robert interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 176th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome back my wife, Delina, to the show because we had such a good time in episode 167. We had some good feedback too and thought it would be fun to do this again, but from a, a different angle where we reflect on 20 years of growth as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Digital Growth Institute. You see, in episode 167, Delina shared why honesty is essential in your journey of growth. And it was a great conversation because it forced Delina to get out of her comfort zone a bit as she is more comfortable being behind the scenes. And in today's conversation, we're both going to get out of our comfort zones Because it is, in fact, when we step out of our comfort zones, where we come out of our caves of complacency with courage, that is where we experience our greatest growth. So with that context in mind, I am going to turn the podcast over to Delina because she is going to host today's conversation and I'm going to be her guest where I'll share some key lessons, some patterns, some trends that I've seen over the last 20 years since starting what would become the Digital Growth Institute as a sophomore in college and how those lessons can be applied in your financial brands or your fintech's own journey of growth. So just like Kirk told Spock on Star Trek, Delina, the podcast is yours. Thank you, James Robert. In episode 167, we got into the original story of digital growth a bit and don't want to bore the dear listener with any more. No, we don't. So first, I want to start off with what are a few things many people don't know about you? A few things that people don't know about me, you know, for sure. I would say number one is growing up, I was in the orchestra. I played the viola. And I was actually pretty good. I just didn't really practice or apply myself. I had other interests and other things that that I wanted to do, which a big one was was basketball. I played a lot of basketball growing up. I got a couple of uh, scholarship offers uh, to go play. One was actually the the Coast Guard, but realized that that's not what I wanted to do. And so started a punk rock band, which we had talked about in our previous conversation. But I think the other neat thing was developing a very early social network before social networking or social media was even a thing. This was one of the very first projects that that I did when starting the company. This was probably back in 2002, 2003. A friend of, of ours from high school, and I think that's another thing too, we actually, we've known each other 
since. A long time. We met first day of freshman year in Mrs. Bungo's class, but you and I actually went to the same elementary school and did not know it. And so coming back to to the social media idea, developed a very early social platform called Bear Swap with a friend in high school. He went to Baylor University. His name was Robin Harris. And he saw, he had this idea of, you know, in, in college, the bookstores were just ripping all of us poor college kids off. You go buy a book for $200, $300, and then they buy it back for like 10 or 15. And he said, why don't, why don't we build something that we can bring people together and we can do, do a book exchange? And that's, that was the foundational idea for Bear Swap. And it was it, for, students. It, for students. So students could connect with each other digitally and then meet in person to either exchange, swap, or buy books. And this was before Facebook was even around. And we had these ideas that we could take this model and go franchise it. And then this guy, Mark Zuckerberg, had a much bigger vision of connecting people online. But it really showed me the power of how technology and digital, the internet, could be used for good. It could be used to bring people together to solve a problem. And it's this idea of, I think, what we're all experiencing today, which is the decentralization because essentially with bear swap we we cut the middleman out we cut the bookstore out and we connected people together directly so those are a few things that people don't you don't you really went know. full circle on basketball and why you stopped and bear swap but what about orchestra how good were you let's not you know i know you don't like to brag but why don't you tell everyone how good you really were so first chair viola player uil all of that stuff, competition, first chair as a freshman in high school on varsity orchestra. Uh, pretty impressive. It, yeah, it was, it was fun. It's pretty impressive. But, you know, I think, I think a lot of it was, it was kind of dorky. It was kind of nerdy. I mean, you know, there's the label being an orc dork, but I, I see that has changed a lot, you know, 20 years later, this idea of music and even of orchestra and, and the internet does, play a part of that because you think of even with, with our kids, the two cellos. And if you don't know who the two cellos are, go check them out on YouTube. They are here because of YouTube, because of decentralization, if you will, that they're able to go directly to the audience that they built digitally and have made orchestra. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cellos being cool. And they cover all of this classic rock and Lindsey Sterling did that. Once again, similar story with, of using digital to build an audience. Uh, and so this just this repeated pattern that I think life might have been a little bit different for me if I had another path forward with orchestra, with music. I mean, even this idea of punk rock, you know, around that time period, 2001, 2002, there was Yellow Card out on the West Coast that had a violinist in in their band. So you see a lot has changed over the last 20 years when it comes to just digital communication, even through the lens of music. So since I'm controlling the mic today, I'm going to ask you the question that you ask everyone else. What's been going well for you this year in 2022? What's been going well for me to start 2022? I would say I'm just in a much better mental state to start the year. And I think there's a lot of intention that has come from that. I know 
if I look back over the last 20 years, it's been, there's been a lot of challenges along the way, but a lot of that has come through just continued personal development, personal reflection, and a lot of, I would say, really deep conversations with you, with myself, with others, with with even the coaches and the advisors that I've had to get out of my own way, to get out of my own head, and to let go of a lot of things that I think were really just holding me back from achieving what I didn't even realize was possible. So since you're thinking about the past 20 years, going back in time, past 20 years, what has been your biggest wins? The Personally, that would be easy. That would definitely be you and the kids, you know, getting married, traveling, starting a family. Which was the best decision you ever made. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am, it was. And I, and I think that's, that's, that's a key thing. You know, if I look back the early days, quote unquote, the early days were easy. I was 20 years old. I was waiting tables. I was playing in a punk rock band. And then, you know, I started up out of a bedroom. I was still living with my parents and went to school, came home and developed the websites until two, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning and just rinse and repeat, do the same thing the next day. And then, you know, pretty much we'd get to go out and have a good time. And, and then things got a little bit more complicated as the business grew I would say for me professionally, a big win has just been making it through what I call the dark night of the soul and all of the massive transformation and and changes that have been required to get from where we began to get to where we're at now. I mentioned before we got married, we traveled the world. I had never been out of the country. Yeah. I think going back to what you were talking about before we talk about travel, I think something that's good to note is whenever you are in your dark, low times, the things to think about are the good times and the good situations. Because, you know, we talk about no marriage is a fairy tale. We only have fairy tale moments. And I think that um, it's important to know that we have situations where we're not in the best place, but think about the good times and know that you will not always be in the darkest of times. That's a great point. I mean, and I was just sharing this on another podcast recently, this, um, the trip that we took two years ago with the family, uh, we picked the kids up from school on Valentine's day, picked them up a little bit early. It was right at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. It was just starting to, you know, creep in on the West coast. And we, we went out to Disneyland in California made so many great memories as a family really filled us up. And then the world shut down Was it two weeks later. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that we had that opportunity. We took that opportunity because I think a lot of that, it allowed us to really say, push through, push through this time. Yeah. We had to be home. Yeah. We couldn't travel. And, and it's that idea of travel. I learned a lot. And we could probably just do a whole podcast on that because uh, there's a lot of lessons that that were gained there. But after that, the business started to grow, you know, hiring. We got pregnant. You got pregnant. <laughs> and and that was, that was what, 2009? And 
that's where things I would say started to get really challenging for me because in, in 2009, we took a trip. We went to Bora Bora. We're in like the most beautiful place in the world, but I am in probably one of the worst mental states. And I wasn't even aware of that at the time. I was literally physically hurting. Yeah. And a lot of that hurt, a lot of that pain was what I would be diagnosed. I think it was like two months later, I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called ankylosing spondylitis. And I will never forget, I was driving across the Texas-Louisiana border and um, I got a call from the, the doctor and he said, you have ankylosing spondylitis. And, and I, at that point, I was 28 years old. Our first child was due in May. I was pretty much crushed. I, like, I had, you know, I was young, had this business. Everything was great from the outside, like, you know, winning all of these awards and accolades, speaking all over the place. But from the inside, I was just, I was crumbling. I was a mess. I was falling apart on the inside. And it was a lot of just change happening all at once. And and it was just too much. And going back to our um, first podcast, that was the time where I had to sit back and watch because I could only tell him so much without, whenever it was me talking to him, knowing that all this was going on in his head, he didn't know I knew, but you know, you sit back and you watch and you can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped or isn't in the right mental state to be helped. Yeah. And I was, I was not in a good place. I was lying to myself. I was lying to you. I was struggling with some addictions and I needed my help. And so I would say, you know, if I look back over the last 20 years, it was that moment in time in 2012 when I said, Hey, I I need some help. And to get through that dark time together uh, through my life, through our life. And really, I think a lot of that is now looking back over the past 10 years, I can begin to speak more publicly about this. And a lot of this is going to get packaged up in book number two, Banking on Change, because there are a lot of lessons that we can all learn and take from this, that if I can take my struggles, my challenges, my failures, and then use them to help empower, elevate someone else, I'm, I'm willing to do that. I would say the second big win it does come back to books. It would be writing the first book, Banking on Digital Growth. And a lot of that started, if you think about, if you go back, a lot of that began in 2012, that whole process of hitting rock bottom and working with David Baker. And he was like, you're going to write a book. And I remember when he told me that, I was like, you're crazy. Because I just, it, I could not see it at that moment. And he said, you're going to write a book. And I remember going to a conference that he was hosting, and I think it was called Write the Damn Book. And it was <laughs> in Nashville, because I think a lot of people, they talk a lot about writing a book. Like, hey, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book one day. And I was like, I couldn't even see that. So I went to this conference, like, okay, I'll write the book. And then I remember you kept on me about this. You, you had kept- a contract on your desk. I said, stop, stop being a certain way and just sign the contract and get going. Yes. And, and it was that push is what I needed to get over the edge to start writing banking on digital growth. And that was in, that was in May of 20, 2019. And then we launched the book in May of 2020, right at the start of the pandemic, but with no, no speaking tour 
available. No, all the conferences were were non-existent at that point. You do you innovate, you pivot, and and I launched this podcast, and now we're 176 episodes into it, and this has been one of the most fulfilling and energizing things that I've ever done professionally. I always joke, like if I could do this five days a week, I would find my happy place because I love, I love learning. I love bringing people together. You love uh, the conversation. I love the conversation. I love connecting people before and after shows. And it has just been such a, a great fulfillment. But I think the other thing too is writing a book, launching a podcast, it's required a lot of change. It's required a lot of courage, but it's required a team effort. It's required a lot of collaboration to make this a reality. This story is far bigger than just what you see publicly on the front end. There's a lot that's going on behind the scenes. And, and I would say really the third big win, if I look back over the last 20 years, is, is running the business debt-free with no outside funding because that has created a lot of freedom to do things that might not have been possible otherwise. Granted, if we go back to that time period, rock bottom in 2012, we took on six figures of debt to make that transition. And that created a lot of anxiety for me personally. We had business debt, we had personal debt, and it forced me to get really clear about why I do, why we do what we do as an organization, but then also realize where some of my anxiety around money and finances was rooted. And, and that came from just my family of origin, my childhood upbringing, where money anxiety was always kind of a, a, of an issue of sorts. But I would say, once again, it's like you take a negative, you transform it into a positive. It's that financial stress that I felt you know, bringing on that debt and the anxiety tied to it. And fortunately, we've, once again, we worked through that, but realizing that there's an opportunity here to educate and empower financial brands and fintechs so that they can guide the people that they're working with, the people in the communities that they serve beyond financial stress that takes a toll on their health, their well-being, their relationships towards a bigger, better, brighter future. Okay. So we've heard about the past and we can't obviously grow without realizing where we've been and where we've come from and not making the same mistakes that we've made in the past, but continuing to uh, change and evolve and be better. Failure is learning. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about the present moment. What are you feeling most excited and energized about? Uh, Three things come top of mind for me. Number one is what I'm calling human transformation. And what I mean by human transformation, it is it is the exact opposite of, of digital transformation. Uh, I've seen patterns where organizations, financial brands will, will bring in some new technology. It could be marketing technology, sales technology. It could be fintech. But there's challenges and struggles. We, we've heard so much about digital transformation over the past years that we know looking at, at data coming out of, of BCG and McKinsey and all of the big consulting firms, 60 to 85% of digital transformation projects 
fail. And the reason that I'm seeing that they fail through the lens of financial services as a digital anthropologist that studies the intersection between marketing and sales and technology and human behavior, the reason that digital transformation projects fail is because of the human condition. And so my thesis is, is if we can empower people, if we can, you know, guide human transformation internally to help people bank on change, if you will, they will ultimately maximize their digital transformation initiatives going forward, which then leads me to you know, what I'm excited about here. Point number two is, is writing banking on change. And just like in banking on digital growth, packaging up all of that thinking into a, a playbook, into a manifesto, I'm excited about doing the same thing with banking on change to help organizations, financial brands, fintechs navigate the complexities of change through the lens of human transformation. And then also, I'm just excited to be having this conversation with you because this is, this is, I would say something that we do a lot, but to just do it in this type of context with this type of platform, it's, it is energizing. So a lifetime of learning will lead to a lifetime of future growth. And you read a lot, possibly too much, but thinking about the past 20 years after starting digital growth, what have been the biggest lessons you've learned along the way that might help the listener move forward along with their own growth journey? So the point of reading, I do read a lot. I'm one of those people that buys more books than I will probably ever read in a lifetime. It seems like every day or every I few days. I handle shipping and receiving at the house and it's it's not fun. I'm like, what? what's what's this box now? And oh, oh it's another book. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, are you ever going to read all these? And I, I read in a very unique manner. I will probably have five books that I'm reading concurrently at a time and I'll flip back and forth. And I think a lot of it is just the way that my ADD mind connects these different dots. And I might start a book and I'll never finish it. But I remember like a key insight or a key element that I can then transfer into those that I'm working with. And so I think if anything, our kids are going to have a massive library that they're going to inherit. Hopefully they're interested in all these business books. Yes. Well, I think a lot of it too, it's, it's, they're not just business books. I would say the books of of late have probably personal development, personal development, leadership, uh, psychology, sociology, anthropology, more of the, the study of just humanity because technology is always going to, to change, but it all comes back to people. And I would say for me, that that's a big lesson here reflecting on 20 years is if you're wanting to maximize your future growth potential, you are going to have to act for growth. And that is a key model that I'm writing about in Banking on Change to where, you know, in Digital Growthtopia, we have all of these acronyms because it's the only way that I can remember things. And so ACT is an acronym for awareness plus commitment equals transformation. And awareness comes from learning and it comes from thinking. And then transformation comes from doing and it comes from reviewing what you've done. But it's the C in the middle. It's the commitment that I find 
where a lot of organizations struggle, a lot of teams struggle, a lot of people struggle. It's they know what they need to do, but they, they fail to commit to achieve the transformation that they're seeking. And I think about my own story here, getting help from the outside. You know, in our last conversation, I talked about, you know, the brutal honest truth and you telling me that my punk rock band sucked and to do something with my life. Well, that's help from the outside. You helped me see things that I was not able to see. I think about 2012 and working with David Baker, he helped me see things that I could not see. And so when we're looking for transformation, when we're looking for growth, a lot of times we must look outside of ourselves. We must look outside of our teams. We must look outside of our organizations. And that requires a continuous investment back into yourself, back into your team, back into your organization through training, through coaching. I think a lot of people are surprised when I tell them I've invested six figures at this point into just my own personal growth. And I would not be where I'm at today had I not made that investment. And and, and I'm very grateful to you for the opportunity to do just that. So thank you. You're welcome. Digital growth is a journey from good to great, but sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show. I would say another key lesson is really identifying, and a lot of this is just pattern matching here, what I call four exponential growth environments. And I think it's important to define what is exponential growth Exponential growth comes when you're growing personally and you're growing professionally. I don't think that we can separate the two worlds any longer. There's a ceiling you'll eventually hit. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people talk about like work-life balance. I don't think work-life balance is possible. What I'm more interested in is work-life integration to where your personal growth creates a positive impact on your professional growth and your professional growth creates a positive impact on your personal growth. And so there are these four exponential growth environments that I've identified to where you must always be learning, thinking, doing, and reviewing where I think a lot of us get stuck and there's, there comes that point of, of outside you know, help, accountability, coaching, training, whatever you want to call it, we get stuck in the doing. And when we get stuck doing, we just simply cannot see what the next steps forward are. A lot of that idea of seeing the next steps forward for, for me from just the lessons learned is what I frame as digital stoicism. Stoicism has played a big part of my journey over the last 10 years. And this this idea of, you know, the only thing that we really can control is our mind. Everything else, we don't really have a lot of control over, but we can control our mind. We can control our emotions. We can control how we react to situations in the environment. 
And I think our minds right now are under a massive attack of a lot of different things of information. Be more of like a hijack. Yeah. Hijacked, hacked would be another word with that. We probably don't have time to get into all like the specific details of it. But I mean, you know, we see it in, in, in social media, our attention, our attention has been hijacked and we must reclaim our own personal attention because what we give attention to is where our future will be. And so on that note, a big lesson learned is, is disconnecting to reconnect, to reconnect with ourselves, to reconnect with uh, those that we're close to in our personal relationships, to reconnect even with, you know, what I've talked about before, which is the superconscious, the superconscious mind, the mind of God, because that's where we can get massive insight. And I think about just my own personal experiences there. And it's like, when I do disconnect to reconnect, I get downloads that have been helpful when writing the first book, when writing even the second book. And I would say the last lesson, and it's a little bit morbid, but it's stoic philosophy. It's memento mori, uh, which is to just simply remember your death. I used to fear death. And you you and I have talked a lot about that. Mm -hmm. I used to fear death growing up. And I think once again, that was more of a symptom of maybe some childhood trauma. Uh, And when it comes to death, my entire perspective has transformed. I'm using death as more of a guidepost to guide my thinking, which will then inform my own doing, because I want to play an even bigger game to reach, to teach, to educate, to empower even more financial brand leaders and fintech leaders. And, and I'll, you know, there's that old saying about, you know, when someone dies, you have the year you were born, you have the year that you died, but then it's what's in the middle that matters. It's the dash. And I want to make sure by remembering my own death, I can make the most impact during my time here, during the dash. And I think, you know, this idea of, de- of, of death too, a movie that we both grew up watching um, and one that our yeah. kids, it's, it's Hook, which is just a, a, an interesting story of Peter Pan. Captain Hook tells Peter Pan, prepare to die, Peter. And Peter replies to, to Captain Hook, to, to die, die would be a great, will be a great adventure. adventure. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm my whole mindset this idea of memento mori, remember your death, has really created just such a huge impact for me, even to the point to where for my 40th birthday, I wanted to go get a memento mori tattoo. <laughs> Haven't done it yet. You and I are still negotiating on this yes. one. But it is something I think that if we all remember our deaths, not from a place of fear, but using it as a guidepost, we'll do even more during our limited time here to help even more people. Speaking about that, I think that is a great way for us to go back into the original podcast that we had in 167. If you can put your head down every night and know that you did the right thing, there's no reason to fear death because you know that you went to sleep doing the right thing. You know, and had you not, then that's where, yeah, you maybe should be fearing a little bit. But, you know, if you live every day doing the right thing, there should be no fear. Yeah, that idea of doing the right thing and playing basketball too. I'd I'd have to give a shout out to 
to Coach Carlisle, who was my my basketball coach. And I remember I was in eighth grade and my coach told me, he said, you're never going to play varsity basketball. And that was fuel enough needed for me to, you know, prove something wrong. And go kick some butt. Yeah. And, <laughs> but, but I would say too, like when, when you start trying to prove people wrong, that can easily flip you into a negative, a negative path, which is, I think, that's what happened to me along the way in so many different areas of my life. I was trying to prove so much to so many people that you you begin to lose your own own way. It's kind of like the dark side of the force in, in yeah. Star Wars. And so you got to be very careful of what what is what is fueling your future growth? Is it from a place of we'll call it love, light, and positivity, or is it from a a bit more nefarious, darker side. Yeah. Does it play into what you want yourself to be or is it just to get back at someone? Yeah. And the other thing too, maybe this is a lesson learned, comparison. Comparison is a killer. Detrimental. And you don't compare, and this is this is stoicism too, I feel like coming out now. You cannot compare yourself to others. You are, or you. You, you, you don't want to be anyone else, be the best person that you can possibly be and let your past provide you with the tools, those lessons learned to then inform your future ahead. Okay. So we were here in the present. What about the future? 20 years from now, what are you most excited about knowing that what all has happened within 20 years? What are you most excited about for the next 20 years? because you'll be 60 at that point. And what needs to happen for you between now and until then to feel good about the progress you've made? You know, when I hear you say that I'm going to be 60, I would say before, if you told me that 10, 20 years ago. It's a little scary, but now it's exciting. It would have been a little bit scary. I would say now it's exciting. I just turned 40 a few months ago and I would say I am more energized about what I'm doing now as a 40-year-old, I cannot wait to see what 60 looks like or what 80 looks like or what 100 looks like or even 120, 140 because I do feel like we have the possibility to make that age, the advances that we're seeing in healthcare technology. And so this is the this is the game that I'm playing. The most important thing about health is all mindset. All mindset. If you have a positive mindset, you'll live to be much longer than if you have a negative mindset. And this is one of the big lessons that I've learned from Dan Sullivan and my time in strategic coach. Dan has been a guest on this podcast a couple of times. And it's this idea of always make your future bigger than your past. And for me, death is my exit. I'm not retiring. I've already put that into my mind. I love what I do, uh, and and I I'm excited about the future that you and I, Delina, will continue to create. I'm excited about the future that we, as the Digital Growth Institute, will continue to create. And so for me, at 60, you know, I, I'm going to break this down into what I would call short-term, mid-term, and long-term visioning and goals. And and that that's me. I'm a visionary. It took me a while to get really comfortable with this idea of being a visionary. And I think that created a lot of conflict. I was working outside of my own growth ability um, within the business, which is why we got into the 
bad situations that we got in around that 2009, 10, 11, 12 period because I was doing things that I should not have been doing. And that realization came from whenever I took my Colby profile and Colby is a profile that you and I have done, Delina, Audrey, who is here with us on the team at the Digital Growth Institute. She facilitates Colby profiles for financial brands and their leadership teams uh, because Colby is not about personality. Colby looks at the operational system of the mind. Kathy Colby and, and her family have been studying the brain for a very, very long time. Her father created the Wonderlick test. And so it looks at the what they call the cognitive part of the brain. And so I'd say for me as a visionary, I can see what the future looks like. I can almost, in essence, sometimes, and I do this with financial brands, I bring the, the possible future into the present moment. And so let's do that here. When I look out over the short term, three to five years, building a digital community of like minds is an area of focus for me, a community of like minds that leads to even greater collaboration between financial brands and fintech. Once again, rooted at the center of marketing sales, technology, and human behavior. It's a community that will provide training and coaching programs at scale, taking essentially what we've been doing over the last 20 years in more of an individual, you know, one-on-one, one-on-one being the organization and working within that organization. But I want to start bringing organizations together to collaborate. And it's that collaboration that I think we'll get some exponential growth capabilities from. And also it's the training and the education that will come through what I view as just my own path of thinking and writing the banking on book series, I see, you know, five to eight, maybe 10 books in this series that I will write over the next 10 to 15 years. Perhaps we'll even see a publishing arm for the Digital Growth Institute. Um, think, you know, books and podcasts and training that will help to elevate and amplify the voices of others who are all aligned around this purpose of, of getting people beyond financial stress towards a bigger, better, brighter future. So that's my short term. What about your midterm? Midterm, I would say, we'll, we'll just call that the next five to 10 years. I don't think we're here as an industry just yet. But if I go back over the last 20 years, I've called things typically three to five years before they hit a critical mass in the industry. And it would be some sort of financial coaching program that goes beyond just providing financial education. It goes beyond just providing financial literacy because I'm going to be honest, I don't think financial education programs and financial literacy programs do that much good. It comes back to what I've viewed as these four exponential growth environments. You can be learning, you can be thinking, you can be doing, you can be reviewing. You gain awareness through learning and thinking. You you transform through doing and reviewing, but it's the commitment piece. The commitment piece in a person's own financial journey. And I've, I've talked with Jalair Grio about this on the podcast. I mean, she works in the mortgage space and she has a financial coach herself and how important that has been for her in her own journey and her own money story. But if we can, as financial brands and as fintechs, make coaching a key offering, and there's multiple ways to package this up. It could even create non-interest income, something I think we're going to need to think more about. It can replace some of the 
the overdraft income that we'll probably are going to be losing, but it's one that puts the transformation of people beyond the commoditized transaction of dollars and cents. That's, that's my vision when it comes to coaching. And what about your long-term? So long-term, long-term, big, big vision would be to launch either a fintech. So collaborating with the financial brand and a technology platform or a digital bank. I'm, I'm, I'm not so clear on this, but the, but the vision on this would be to empower people through three areas of their life to help level up their health, level up their wealth, and level up their well-being or to level up their happiness. Because I think these are the three core elements that people struggle with. People struggle financially. We know that they're going to struggle with mental well-being. The research is very clear. And I believe that we are in a, a financial epidemic that is taking a massive toll on people's health, on people's well-being, and their own mental states, that if we can transform their wallets, we can truly transform their lives. As we wrap up the conversation, we thanks first and foremost for letting me take over, even though I know you love that mic, so it really didn't have to do much. Okay, one last question for you. What is one thing that you've had to let go of in order to grow personally and professionally? Because when we let go of things is when we find our biggest growth. That's a good question. And it's actually one that is the expanded version of what I call what's going well times L. Because to your point, when you let go of all of the baggage that holds us back, it it weighs us down. That's where we can spring forward. So for me, I would say three things. One, uh, letting go of the past. Failure is learning and progress is far greater than perfection. I've had this voice in my head and I think the dear listener might think that I'm a bit crazy if I share this, but it's it's one that has been playing probably for a good three years now. Attached to nothing, detach from everything. I think it's so easy that we attach to the doing, coming back to those four exponential growth environments, we attach our identity to what we do. And, and if we even look at this philosophically, we are not human doers. We are human beings. And I think the more that we can focus on that, attaching to not what we do, and then we can attach from detach from everything else, that allows us to continue to move forward. It's when we attach to something, we create anchors that that hold us in place. I think one of those anchors that that a lot of us struggle with, I know that I have, but I've, I've really made a lot of progress in, in, in my own life is around fear. I mentioned before fear of death. I think fear creates a fixed mindset. And one of the, the best books that I read on this subject that let helped me let go of just a lot of fear was a book written by Napoleon Hill, who a lot of people know his works, uh, Think and Grow Rich. But this book is Outwitting the Devil. Not a lot of people know about that one whenever I make this recommendation. And Outwitting the Devil uh, is a unique read because Napoleon puts the devil on trial and gets the devil to confess about how he controls people. 
In their minds. In their minds. Yeah. In their minds. And, and it, a lot of it is through fear. And I truly do believe that if we can let go of fear, fear of death, fear of, of change, fear of the unknown, fear of failure, and even one, you know, that I struggle with is fear of success. Like if we can let go of those fears, we will propel and move forward we will continue to make progress on our own journeys of growth. And I, I want to say the last point here is letting go. And it's a tough one. It's a tough one for a lot of people, just kind of like letting go of fear because we we create these attachments to them, but it's relationships. It's letting go of relationships that are holding us back. And these could be super, super close relationships. But as Jim Rowan uh, has so eloquently talked about over the years, and you can go watch his YouTube videos. We are the sum of the five people, or we have the average of the five people that we associate with most. And there comes that idea of building a community of like minds, like as my focus in the short term, because as Napoleon Hill writes, this is about creating a, a mastermind where you bring minds together. Uh, to create even more value exponentially. And there are two types of people in life. There are people who are growth bound. Uh, They have a growth mindset. And there are people who are gap bound, meaning they're stuck in the gap. And gap is an acronym to where all they do is gripe about problems. And uh, at this stage in my life, I only want to surround myself with people who are growth bound. If, if you're stuck in the gap, I know at this point, I'm probably not going to be able to help you. You're going to be the one who has to get yourself out of the gap. And truth be told, I mean, you know, I fall into the gap, but I have the awareness that I'm there, number one. Number two, I don't want to stay there. And number three, if, if I realize that I'm in the gap and I'm griping about a problem of, of sorts and I don't know how to solve it, I'm going to go ask for help. So I would say those are three things to let go of the past, fear, and relationships. Okay. So thank you for sharing that. As we wrap things up, I want to thank you for letting me be the host for today. Um, even how's, it, I, how's, I how's it felt? I really didn't have to do much, to be honest with you. I felt like the last one, I had to do more work. So I had to think more. But this one, you took over and you love that mic. And so it worked out well. And it's been a lot of fun. So thank you. It'll be a while till the dear listener hears from me. But I will be here backstage and behind the scenes. So do you want to wrap us up? I definitely will. And, and I do want to thank you for coming on. It has been a lot of fun. And um, maybe we'll bring you back sooner sooner rather than later. If, you've, if you have enjoyed uh, getting a little bit of a behind the scenes peek into what we're doing here, this is something just new. We were experimenting with this type of format. But if you want to hear Delina come back on, send me a text message. Send me a text message, 415-579-3004, Text me. I want to hear Delina. I want to learn from Delina. Oh um, uh, You're putting me on the spot. <laughs> I am, but because you do, you do always have some something of value to share. I've learned a lot from you and I know that uh, others can as well on their own journeys of growth. So thank you, Delina, for joining. Thank you for having me. As always, and until next time, be well, do good. And make your bed. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.